professionals don't have a lot of time. Right. And so focusing on specific things you can do is really important and not spinning your wheels. I would say the first thing you could do is get to know somebody who's already doing this, you know, professionally yep. and, you know, get to know them, talk to them, go to a local meetup, find a person to uh, either mentor you or just someone you can have conversations with. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. I appreciate you joining me today. My guest on the show is Daniel Hellund and he comes to us from the great city of Portland. On this episode, Daniel and I are gonna discuss how Daniel has been involved in the acquisition, not only the acquisition, but the capital raise of over 900 units of multifamily. And he's going to tell us how to raise capital like a pro. Not only that, you're gonna to wanna to stick around because you're gonna to get to know three things. And that is how to get to know who you wanna partner with, who to talk to and what the right time always is to talk to them about raising capital. And lastly, how to raise an unlimited source of capital so that you can have the money you need for your deals to tap when you want to. So guys, you're going to want to watch this episode with Daniel and I on the Real Estate Rundown. So stay tuned. We'll see you in a minute. Welcome to the RobNet Real Estate Rundown podcast where Shannon Robnett has handpicked industry experts to discuss all aspects of investing in the real estate world and seeks to help all real estate investors improve their education and their proven strategies to grow their real estate journeys. Now, here's your host. Hey guys, welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. My guest today, as advertised, is Daniel Helmund. Daniel, how are you today? I'm doing really well, Shannon. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome, man. I'm doing awesome. So this is uh, first episode of 2021. This is Congratulations. Great, right? Right. Big We're, things for the new year. That's right. We're beyond the madness. We're beyond the madness. But, you know, the title of this one, I'm going to call it raising capital like it's going out of style because that's what everybody's looking for right i mean if you really get down to it daniel in the real estate world money does make the world go round right even if it's you doing a single family home and you're talking to yourself and you got to raise your own capital you got to reach from this pocket to this pocket you've got to go to your ira you've got to do something maybe you're you're going to involve your father-in-law your brother somebody business partner you're going to come in and you're going to raise the capital that's really the juice that goes on in the real estate business. And, and that's really what's so necessary that so many people miss. But before we get to that, Daniel, I want to give you guys a little bit of a snippet of who my guest is and the accolades that this guy's got and where he comes from. Okay. So check this out. He got a degree in computer and electrical engineering from the University of California at Davis. Not bad. Not bad. Great place to, to stay for a while, right? He now works at this little corporation. I don't know if you heard about it. It's called Intel, right? He's a software developer. He's also an Intel community manager, but he runs their real estate investment club. I had the opportunity to speak with that group. Great group of people with a lot of bright stars in there. And he, he as of June of 2020, he had over 700 active members. I had the privilege of speaking to over 175 of them. It was a fantastic, fantastic time. But he's also got a podcast. And that podcast, you guys are going to want to check out because it's real estate investing for professionals. Right behind him, check it out. That's a great one. I've also been on his podcast. He is a wealth of information. And so I am really, really privileged to have him on the show, as you can tell. I'm a little jacked up about this, right? 
So, but beyond that, Daniel has been involved in investing in a total of over 900 units, 907 to be exact. That's where the electrical engineering degree comes in, right? Um, but in all, in, in 635 of those, he's been the general partner. He's been involved in the capital raise. He's been instrumental in the whole thing. So Daniel, tell us a little bit before we get into the rest of this podcast, tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to be involved in 900 units. Sure, Shannon. And actually now it's 1122. Bad uh, info. 850 as a GP. But <laughs> but nice thank job. you. Thank you for the opportunity to come on. And it's really a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to get to know you because you are a great communicator and I enjoy talking with you. Appreciate um, that. I might but, need a note for that to give to my wife. You know, the, the <laughs> Other people think I'm a great communicator. I'm not a clam. And I can send to you some of the comments that we got when you spoke at our Intel REI club because we get feedback from our uh, participants there. And, you know, we, we get good and bad. I'll send them both to you. Yeah, but, um, you know, it's really I, I love getting good feedback because it is encouraging and uplifting. And real estate is is a team sport. It can be a contact sport, too. Um, but no the, having a team around you is really how you get started in this business. I'm going to go back even farther than that, actually, because my dad was an electrical engineer at Hewlett Packard. My mother was a business major and her side of the family had real estate. And I woke up to real estate as a way to build wealth actually fairly early. I wouldn't say I had a you know whole awakening here, but I got some exposure, which I then later in my life looked back on and, and I had the aha moment. Right. So when, when I was, when I was 10, my grandparents or my grandfather passed away and he had been working at International Harvester, which is a tractor manufacturing farm equipment corporation. Uh, he worked there his entire career, retired in his mid 60s. I'm not exactly sure when because I was 10 at the time. Right. And uh, but at that point, my my grandma said to him and she was the financial brains there, you know, in, in the power couple. But she said, let's go to your brother in law. Let's form a partnership with him and let's buy these 120 units, which are over here in this kind of, you know, C-class neighborhood. Uh, mm -hmm. It was in Aurora, Illinois. Okay. And so um, they went and did that. And uh, my grandma and my grandpa, they spent their nights and weekends fixing up those apartments. They did a lot of it themselves at the time. Um, and they, it was 120 units, like I said. And when they passed away, my parents had the problem problem of right. what the heck are we going to do with this you know they so they had an apartment they weren't living in chicago at the time there were huge tax implications the the inheritance taxes were high enough that there's no way that we could we could keep the property and so as a 10 year old i got to listen to a lot of time with them basically talking about you know what are we going to do with the taxes this wasn't set up correctly um, you know, the there's there's talking to lawyers and talking to tax accountants and and frankly, um, you know, it took years to get it all settled. There there was also some farmland involved, which totally complicated the deal. But as a ten year old, what kind of struck me is that my parents are going through a lot of problems. Right. Now, it, when I got to college, I realized, you know, the reason they had all those problems is because they had an asset and. It wasn't my grandpa's job that got them to the point where they had a lot of money problems. It was his investment in real estate after he retired. So that that is something that kind of stuck in my head. Um, and I started buying single family homes pretty much out of college uh, around 2002. Uh, I used to be a hard money lender, uh, lending projects in, in Florida with rehabbers. 
Uh, this 2008 crash happened. I ended up with a house that I didn't necessarily want. But at the same time, uh, I held on to that house till 2015. And uh, then I started getting more involved in multifamily. And multifamily is a totally different game. Even, you know, you're, you're heavily involved in, in construction. And I'm heavily still involved. Right? I mean, it's, it's very different. totally different. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're involved in construction. I tend to do a lot of value-add deals. Mm -hmm. And we, we should get get together and have a little debate on that at some point. But I, I would just say that that there are good ways to make money in both of them. There's great ways to make money in all of real estate. And that's the thing. If you do what you do well, you only need to be a one-trick pony in real estate, right? You don't have to do multifamily and do single family and do rehabs and buy foreclosures. If you're really good at what you do, one trick is good enough. I'm proving that. Right. Absolutely. In fact, I'd say that, you know, you're you're weakening your brand and weakening your ability Absolutely. to execute if you do more than one. Absolutely. Completely um, agree. And so right now I've, I've built up a, a firm called Alon Capital. Uh, we're considering a name change to Good Samaritan Ooh. Capital because uh, at the beginning of the year, this is 2021. And I'm not saying that I'm going to do this yet, but I've just had a lot of time to reflect on my core values and the core values that I want to communicate with our brand. And one of those is apartment community life and giving back to the apartment community and giving back to just the general community. I have not started doing this yet, but there's a, a charity that deals with children and cancer. And my brother had childhood cancer. And so we're considering, you know, creating, changing our name and then making that part of our core identity is we're people that give back. The way you need to do it is through financial education. You need Correct. to make the poor people rich or get them on the path to, you know, their financial freedom. And right. that's what, that is also one of the core values that I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of weeks, because financial education in our country is sorely lacking. Um, and I could go on a long path down that, but I'll, I'll return to, we have a, a uh, multifamily firm. Uh, we started partnering with uh, syndicators uh, first in terms of raising capital and doing, uh, being involved in due diligence, being involved in investor relations. So we, we provided services to some syndications and we started you know partnering more and more. Uh, now we've got a pretty good network built up we tend to partner with operators that are in different locations. And so the, the properties that I have, we have a 122 unit in Houston, a 196 in Houston, 172 in, in Memphis, a 145 in Fort Smith, and a 200 in uh, Montgomery. We're most likely going to close on another uh, property in Florida here in the near future. So they're, they're, they are spread out mostly through the Southeast and Texas. And the mm -hmm. way we do that is we partner with people who are boots on the ground. And we provide uh, services in terms of you know talking to lawyers, raising funds, talking to investors, being a capital partner that works with operators. There you go. So that's 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 what our firm does, and we we of course partner with investors who want to be part of cash flowing apartments. That's awesome. So let's get into how can the average person turn themselves into a fundraising machine? I mean, how did you do it? I mean, you didn't just wake up one day and go, well, the hard money lending game's over. I'm going to get into multifamily and I'm going to go talk to these <laughs> people. No. And all six people said, here, Daniel, here's my money. I love your idea. What, what do you got to go through there to be able to put that together to be successful at fundraising? First of all, you have to fail. 
and, and we did plenty of failing. Uh, I started a multifamily club in Portland and it was doing okay. We, we had like 30 people at the, the top of it. And there were a couple of other competing clubs in the area and two of the other clubs merged. And, and then at that point I said, okay, guys, just go over there. You know, and so we, we had a couple of ideas where we said, well, let's let's start a let's start a, a multifamily meetup. And that worked. It was a lot of work, but then it finally fizzled out. Um, we also got involved in um, just mouth to mouth networking, word to word, face to face networking. So a lot of these things that people try can work, but they don't necessarily work. And that's where, you know, having an attitude of can do is really important to this. Yeah. So eventually what ended up happening is that uh, I went to my place of work at Intel and I realized that there was a stock investment club, there was a startup investment club, but there was no real estate investment club. Mm-hmm. And so my advice here is find a niche. Right. If you can find a niche and use that to your advantage, that that's much easier than doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. When when I was starting a multifamily meetup in Portland, I was doing the same thing that everybody else was doing and it made it more work and it made it so that it was less return on the work. Yep. So in this particular case, I I went to Intel's HR and I said, Hey, there's a stock investment club. There's a startup investment club. I would like to start the real estate investment club. And they, they kind of looked at me and went, you know, okay, (laughs) here's our guidelines. Are you sure? Let's talk about the rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one of the things that we do now at Real Estate Investing for Professionals is we actually have a mastermind for people who want to start real estate investment clubs at their place of work. There you go. Because that could be a really difficult thing to do. In my particular case, there were some difficult points and there were some that weren't. And it was all about navigating the internal networks that were already there. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, uh, we tried to get our our calendar of events listed on the public calendar that Intel has and is displayed at like the ends of the hallways in Intel buildings. And uh, the group that that did that told us to basically go jump in a lake. You know, we're, <laughs> this isn't an Intel event. What are you talking about? Uh, mm-hmm. You're just trying to sell stuff to our employees. You know, and and I was like, okay, well. Intel HR won't let me advertise. They won't let me put, you know, anything up on the signs. It's all got to be word of mouth. How are we going to do this? And so I I found some other professional groups, the Next Gen Professionals Network at Intel. And they were all about talking to incoming employees and giving them good experiences uh, inside Intel. So they were involved in the Toastmasters Club and the, you know, like the, there's a chess club, there's a choir, there's tons of clubs. And so we got to partner with them and, you know, we worked with them and got on their calendar. That's actually what caused us to, to boost our attendance quite a bit. And so, you know, finding your niche and then being persistent at it would be my advice. And, you know, D- Daniel, that's so funny that you say that, but how relevant that is, because how many, of, how many people do we see that are fired up one week or one month and not involved with whatever they were fired up about a month later? You know, and yet it's the continued plodding along. I mean, an overnight success, you know, uh, uh, takes about 10 or 12 years to brew, you know, and then all of a sudden you look at it, you go, wow, look at what they did this last year. But look at the groundwork that nobody saw happening for the last 
10 years where they're laying the bricks and they're getting the foundation ready and they're doing all the things that are happening. And, you know, I find that's the case when people are approaching me and they go, man, you, you're, you're able to attract people to, to invest with you really, really easy. And I said, well, it only took me 27 years of hands-on knowledge, right, of perfecting my craft to be able to talk to people about said craft and get them to know that I know what I'm talking about. I may not know that much about podcasting or social media branding or things like that, but 27 years in the field, and I only look this bad. I mean, that's the, the right. That's the beauty of it all. <laughs> You're right? looking pretty good for all that. I'm stress. looking pretty good, right? <laughs> but you know, Daniel. So. I mean, you, you're, you're talking about, you know, not going down the same trail that everybody else is going down, but getting the same results by looking at that and going, hey, if I go two degrees this way, instead of going into the multifamily investment club like everybody else, why don't I go start a club inside of a group, inside of a club that I already know, which is the Intel Employees Club, where you all have something in common where you're all going, hey, listen, I'm Daniel from down the hall. And they're like, oh, yeah, Daniel, you're in this group and that group. You're already having commonality. So you're not trying to forge that in the beginning. And you all have a level platform that, look, I've been here for seven years. Really? You must know what you're talking about because Intel hasn't fired you yet. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so you've got these things where you're finding all the way through, you're finding that. But this is the thing that I think is so important, Daniel, and I think that it is the same with your with your fundraising. You're now you now have a mastermind where you're giving that information back. Mm -hmm. You're giving it back to the investment community. You're giving it back to the to the capital raiser. You're giving it back to the Intel employees, which is exactly what has made your club successful. It's the fact that you're there to educate, give back, and people look at that and they go, "Wow, this is a comfortable place." Mm -hmm. This is a place where I can learn without being made fun of. This is a place where I can be a part of it without having to do anything, but I can do as much as I want because these people want to help me, which also yep. goes to your name change that you talked about, right? Well, and, and I would say too that um, doing doing things that are slightly unconventional, I think is where you're going to find more success. That that mentoring club, I, I regularly talk to N Tang who ran the Apple Real Estate Investment Club. I'm mentoring a guy who's starting a real estate investment club at Dell. And so we're growing a network internally in in areas where people people want to have a you know a great place to work. And part of that is education and clubs and extracurricular activities that add value to being an employee in those locations. You know, it's funny because again, here's a guy that's given massive value, right? You're doing the same. So you've talked about persistence. You've talked about, you know, staying consistent with what you're doing, finding your core value. You've talked about, you know, looking at, at, at a niche to be involved with. What's another thing you can tell our listeners about where to go get involved that's going to get you the ability to have the conversations that are going to lead to that capital? Well, the, the other two things you really have to look at is you have to look at what value do you add and can you do that with a spirit of service? Because mm -hmm. when when you when you are talking to investors, you know they're they're not interested in what you've done. They want to know how they can either create passive income or invest for the future or plan for their kids, you know, college or all of these things. And 
the thing that I like about real estate, well, there's a lot of things I like about real estate. One reason why I am personally investing in real estate is because for me, the stock market is too volatile. If I'm going to plan my retirement, I can't do it on something that I don't know, you know, what the value of my stock portfolio is going to be the next day, especially, right. you know, in the middle of COVID elections, you know, riots, etc. Um, I, I like to have a physical asset uh, that is good in an in inflationary environment low interest rate environment, tax advantage. And it has a business plan that when you as an operator, as a multifamily operator are looking at a property, you want to find a property where you can minimize the number of business plan dependencies on things that you can't control. So you, you want to know what the market is, right? Can I raise my rents? Can I lower my rents? What's my flexibility in this particular market? And then based on knowing, you know, if it goes up or down, what my flexibility is, create a forward-looking cash flow projection. Yep. And and with real estate, you can do that. I I uh, I can't do that with any stock. I can't make right. a cash flow prediction. Uh, you know, maybe the dividends, or I can create a cash flow projection around, but not the value of the stock. Right. And so a lot of the value of that asset is dependent on market forces rather than the business plan. Um, and so I like real estate because it's inefficient asset. It's illiquid. It doesn't go up and down with the whims of, you know, whatever's going on in your culture. It follows the business plan that you lay out. You know, there is market influence, of course, of course, but you need to understand that market influence going in and build your plan around it. Right. So I can plan my retirement based on you know, real estate, because I can create forward looking projections. And yeah. uh, that's what I like about it. No, and that's and that's fantastic. You know, and then and one of the other things, that especially for someone in your position, Daniel, that that you're you're doing great. Intel's paying you well, but you've got tax problems, right? You've got tax issues that that real estate can handle for you that can help out with for you that your stock can't. Right. I mean, you've got depreciation. You've got, you know, you've got the ability, at least as of this recording, to 1031 out of that and defer those. You know, you can do that in your retirement account so that you're, you're paying your taxes at the end or in a qualified account. So there's a lot of other things there that you do get. But that all of those things come back to I, I love what you said, where you have to identify the problem you're trying to solve for your investor. Right. And if you're trying to sell them something that they're not interested in, you know, you're trying to sell them cash flow and they're trying to go for appreciation or you're trying to sell them, you know, something about, you know, tax benefit and they don't have any taxes to pay. You know, those are the kind of things where you really need to identify your audience. Sure. Where do you see the best places for people to focus their energy when trying to get started in this capital raise? I mean, we know we know strategies, right? But if you're going to go with one thing, what are you going to focus your efforts on to be able to be the best capital raiser? This this has been a really big topic. And partially the reason why we're launching this is because professionals don't have a lot of time. Right. And so we're focusing on specific things you can do is really important and not spinning your wheels. I, th I would say the first thing you could do is get to know somebody who's already doing this you know, professionally. Absolutely. That's the number one thing you can do is yes. go find somebody who's already done it and, yep. you know, get to know them, talk to them, go to a local meetup, find a person to uh, either mentor you or just someone you can have conversations with. In my particular case, I did not go for a mentor. What I did was I invested with some people that uh, I believed were doing a really good job. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so I, I invested with a group, a, a syndication group. And then, you know, I just watched really closely what they did. And I read all their legal documents too <laughs> that right. they provided, <laughs> which a lot of reading. people don't do. That's yeah, a lot of fun. It, it took a lot of time. But um, get to know somebody who's done it before you because the market is changing quickly and they're going to have more insight into it than you will. Um, and they're going to be able to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we run out of time, though, Daniel, I really want to be able to have people locate you. Where can they find you? And where's the best way to get in touch with you with other questions? So we we are currently in the process of launching the Real Estate Investing for Professionals radio show. And you can find us at rei 4 professionals.com. Uh, you can also contact me directly just through my email address. So it's daniel.homland, H-O-L-M-L-U-N-D, at alon, A-A-L-O-N, capital.com. So daniel.homland at aloncapital.com. Or you can find him where I did, which was on LinkedIn at Daniel yep. Homeland, uh on LinkedIn. You'll be able to find him there and connect with him. Well, guys, I want to thank you again for tuning in. Daniel, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you so much for being here this week. If you guys have got some feedback or something to share, please leave a note in the comments below. If you enjoyed this episode with Daniel, who has been involved in the acquisition and fundraising of over 900 units, then go to our social media buttons that you see below, like those, comment on those, subscribe to those. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and get an automatic episode uh, or an update every time there's a new episode of the Real Estate Rundown. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes. They really help us out when it comes to the ranking of the show and I make it a point to read it and, and respond to every single one of them. So Daniel, thanks again for being on the Real Estate Rundown. We appreciate you stopping by. Thank you, Shannon. All right. We'll talk to you again, guys. We'll see you next time we record another episode of the Real Estate Rundown.